I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. And it, all the scriptures come up on the screen. But um, And again, I need to put myself on a leash because I love to teach from Abraham and we do our academy here and, and perhaps this will just stir some things in you and I'm going to encourage you to listen or to you know, hook up to academy and get hold of the Blood Covenant series that I do which is about 12 hours of teaching. But this um, today we're not really going down the teaching route even though there are going to be some things there which I'm sure are going to sort of you know, put your antennae up. Um, but today really I want to talk about um, this incredible encounter that Abram had with Melchizedek. And here we are, Genesis 14, verses 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. What a great entrance. What a great announcement for someone's life. And he blessed, come on, and he blessed him. We're going to find all the way through this this life of Abram, that there's a whole lot of blessing going on. A whole lot of blessing going on. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of everything, of all. Today, I want to talk about our covenant with God. Our covenant with God. It's something that has been a passion of mine since I first began to discover what a covenant is and what a blood covenant is. The power of a blood covenant And that the blood of Jesus Christ was not the first blood covenant in the Bible. A number of blood covenants in the Bible. That you don't just have the Old Testament and the New Testament. All sorts of things. There is a lot of covenants going on in the Bible. A covenant is quite simply an agreement. But in our understanding today, we often enter into an agreement wondering how we can get out of it. Solicitors get paid a lot of money to put in small print. Hello? Put in small print. I agree this, but down the bottom, I don't have to do it. Or if you don't do what you say, I'm getting out. I am so glad that the covenant we have with God is irreversible and unchangeable. And no matter what we do or what, what, the, the covenant is there. It's certain, it's steadfast, and it's in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'll I'll speak a little bit more about that in the weeks to come, about the blood of Jesus, because we get into some stuff with Abram where he sheds blood a number of times. But here I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 7 as well, just at the start of this today, and then that's pretty much all of the Scripture we'll be going to. But I just want to read a couple of verses, verses 1 and 2, and then verses 6 and 7. For this Melchizedek, this is, this is now in the book of Hebrews, probably my favorite book in the Bible. Um, there it is in the book of Hebrews, which is all about the power of covenant. High priests and blood and lambs and Jesus and all that. And for this is, it says, For this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of God most high, who met Abraham returning from the uh, slaughter of the kings, and he blessed him. Can you see this is almost identical to what we've read over in Genesis 14? And he blessed him. 
Now listen to this. To whom also Abram gave a tenth part of everything, first being translated, this is the name Melchizedek, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which means king of shalom, king of peace. For he, which is Melchizedek, whose genealogy is, verse 6 now, is not derived from um, them. He received tithes from Abraham, and he blessed him who already had the promises. He already had the promises, and, and this high priest declared the blessing of God. Now, beyond all contradiction, there's no argument to this. There's no discussion. This is it. This is the case. The lesser is blessed by the greater, by the better. You know, today centers really about these two people, Abram and Melchizedek. Abram, we know, left everything to walk into God's plan for his life. He had the promises. He had the vision. He walked away. He walked forwards. He dealt with strife. He said, this is not right. We're brothers to Lot and he dealt with the strife there and actually he humbled himself he said you have what you want see we got to get to the place guys where we trust God over and above what our flesh thinks we can do yeah but God called me so I want the best bit no come on God's bigger than all of that just say you do what you want to do because I know whom I've believed and I know that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him Trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding or your own ability or your own competition or your own aggression or your own personality. Come on, God is bigger than all of that. And no matter what goes on around your life, God will fulfill what He's promised into your life. He will complete that which He's, which he's begun in your life. He will bring you out into the place. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to face it happen. Amen. 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 So I love this man, Abram. He's, he's, you know, he's showing a quality of life that we need to emulate. But here he is. He leaves everything to walk in to the promise. And God says, when he first called him, he said, I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. Now, we're going to think a little bit about what that word to bless is today. And I love this word to bless. It's a very powerful word in the Bible. And I, I think it's sad sometimes that we make it such an insignificant word, such a small word. Achoo! Bless you. <laughs> and we pray these prayers, bless us, Lord. And we just don't really know what we're praying half the time. It's just something to pray because we think it's right, you know. And then we read... In some paraphrases, and I, you know, I grew up when I, you know, became a Christian. The first, the first one I read, the first Bible I read was all paraphrases. But sometimes they paraphrase the life out of it. Sometimes. And it's, you know, there's the great Sermon on the Mount. And there's Jesus declaring the blessing, the blessing. Blessed are those, blessed are those. And some paraphrases say, happy. Happy. Happy, how are you today? I'm happy, Pastor Jeff. Do you really think Jesus was overly interested in standing on the greatest sermon in the New Testament, you could say, and declaring a thousand people say, happy, happy? No, he was saying, blessed. 
And there is such an incredible power in the blessing. People fought and died for the blessing. People deceived and schemed trying to get the blessing. People wanted their dad to put their hand on them and say, declare the blessing because there is something life-changing about the blessing. Life-changing. It's not just a little Christian prayer to pray when we haven't got, oh Lord, bless Boris Johnson. What are we praying? I don't know. I'm just saying bless him. But if we get to the heart of what blessing is all about, there's a Hebrew word, barak. And you've probably heard of the, of the valley of Baraka, which was the valley of the blessing. And the word barak or baraka comes from the, the Hebrew word, the knee, and what it really means To bless is to kneel down to serve. If I say I'm going to bless my wife, I'm going to kneel down to her and I'm going to say, what can I do for you? What can I do? Everywhere Jesus went. We read it time and time again. Somebody would come, he'd instigate the conversation, What do you want me to do for you? He got in there first. What do you want me to do for you? There was a time he actually knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. And they got all indignant. And especially Peter, he's known for, you know, just saying it as it is. You're not supposed to be doing this to me. I'm supposed to be blessing you. I'm supposed to be serving you. And Jesus said this. He said, if you don't allow me to do this, We don't have a relationship. Wow. Why? Because the heartbeat of God is another Hebrew word, chasid, which we know the Greek word agape, which is unconditional love. The love of God. The love that gives just because it wants to give. It doesn't give to get. It doesn't give because it wants to show off. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not puffed up. It doesn't, it doesn't parade itself. You could read 1 Corinthians 13 and all the incredible things of the love of God. You know what basically the love of God does? It says, What can I do for you? What can I do for you? We serve to lift others up. Now, this is where it gets really hard on the religious mind. Jesus Christ and Almighty God, the Holy Spirit, bless us. Yeah, you don't know where to go with that right now, do you? (laughs) So let's come back to that a bit later. What does it mean to bless? It means to empower. We just read from Hebrews 7. The lesser is blessed by the greater. I can't bless you if I haven't got something and you've already got it. Yeah? For me to bless you. You, I've got to have something that you don't have. So that means I get down, I serve you with that, I lift you up with that, I empower you with that. It means to empower. We could really get into this this morning, but we don't have time. It means to empower to prosper, empower to excel. It means to empower, it means to give you something that I have got. An encounter with the blessing means you are in a greater position than you were than before you were blessed. Wow. The blessing is something that is life-changing. 
It's a servant position. And however much we struggle with this concept, it was a song in the 80s, in the, in the March for Jesus days. Anybody remember those? Man, I can remember with an acoustic guitar and a, a generator on a trolley and a PA system stacked on top of the generator on a wheelie like a, a trolley thing, marching through with 120,000 people, I think it was, through the streets of London, singing, I can't remember the songs now, all the, all the Graham Kendrick songs that, were, that we were singing, and it was just amazing. But we found out we should have we tried this out before we went live. <laughs> I didn't know, but if you lean a generator a bit too far, it cuts out. It's got a cutout switch in there. So we had it on this trolley, and it was going fine, and we just put the trolley down and started to walk. I was on the guitar with a headset mic and doing all the whole bit. And every time it went down there, the, the generator cut out, and you couldn't hear anything. Oh, what? It was just the worst experience. They were trying to have to move a, a trolley along. It's just crazy. But he wrote a song, The Servant King. This is our God. Hello? The Servant King king. Oh, this is our God, the servant king. But wonderful song, truth and brilliant. It was a God speaking to the body of Christ and understand. You know, some songs are prophetic and they, they come in and they change uh, whole, whole seasons in the church. And that was part of, uh, of that. But you know what? If I was to stand here and say, Jesus wants to serve you. Oh, man, that just sort of well, no, I want to serve him. Well, hang on a minute. You can't sing, this is our God, the servant king, and then say, but Jesus isn't a servant. Now, of course, we don't go and abuse that, but we've got to understand it, that love serves. Love gives. And God is love. There's this, what can I do for you, which is the heart cry of God and you know, I've said this for years, and I don't know how many times, countless probably, I've preached it from here, that, that one of the things as a church, you know, we have catchphrases, every church has sort of things. I think, what can we do for you? How can we help? What can I do for you is not just something to say to Jesus. It's something to say to people. What can I do for you? How can I help? We don't go around saying, this is what you can do for me. When I got married, those 35 wonderful years ago, oh joy, I didn't stand there and say, Sharon, you're going to do the washing, you're going to do the cooking, you're going to do the hoovering, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And then she turned around to me and said, you're going to put the shelves up or you're going to repair things and uh, you can tell what my job is in the house. There's something else broken on the kitchen table. But we didn't say what each other would do. We said what we'd do. I will love you. I will bless you. I will protect you. I will serve you. I will. Da, da, da. It's what I will do for you. That's what a covenant is all about. What can I do for you? Not can what you can do for me, but what I can do for you is the heart of God. So, in the context of this, as we need to move on quite quickly, Melchizedek comes out and he blesses Abram. He empowers him. He empowers him. Abram's life changed the moment that he encountered Melchizedek. It's such an important encounter that Jesus Christ himself is high priest 
in the order of Melchizedek. So he's sort of a forerunner to Jesus. And anything that you say, Jesus, and Jesus looks back, you know, he's the son of David. There's something really important about David. Something really important about David. Because Jesus is the son of David, on the throne of David. So we need to know these things. But, but Jesus is a high priest like Melchizedek. I know there's all sorts of conjecture. Was Melchizedek a theophany? Was he there? You know, was, was actually Melchizedek a pre-incarnate Jesus? Well, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Melchizedek was the high priest of God at that time, and Jesus is compared to him. The Bible says he was a king and a priest. He was obviously greater than Abram because the lesser is blessed by the greater. So we can put these things together. So, you know, so this guy is an incredible man. Now, if you are going to bless somebody, which is what he did, he blessed him. What do you bless somebody with? Well, I've already sort of given this away, that you bless somebody with what you've got. Now, it's always with words. The blessing is given by words and actions, but words are really important. But what did Melchizedek bless Abram with. What is this incredible life-changing thing that happened? And it goes on through Genesis 14 into Genesis 15. I'm aware of that. But today I just want to deal with this Melchizedek-Abram thing. Life-changing. Very powerful that we need to lay hold of for 2022. What did he bless him with? Well, it has to do with his name. So Melchizedek means king of righteousness. So if that's who he is, he's got something to give to Abram. He's got something to bless Abram with. Now we understand that things come from God, but God uses people. So Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, right standing with God, right relationship with God, in a covenant friendship with God, in in a covenant partnership with God, he had something to declare over Abram. And when he gets hold of Abram, this first thing that he says, first thing out of his mouth, he says, Blessed be Abram of God, most high possessor of heaven and earth. And again, I'd love to spend an hour on that. But just to to put it in here, he was not just saying, Abram is now blessed by God. It's not what he's saying. He's declaring an identity. See, that expression, Abram of God, is declaring a relationship. It's not just God is blessing Abram. It's you are now empowered, Abram, son of God, child of God. Now, we know he needed to be born again. The cross hadn't happened. But the Bible is really clear. God declared the gospel beforehand to Abram. And what he was declaring, and we know that Abram believed in God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So that's that's all through this. But there there was this incredible declaration over Abram's life. Abram, you were Abram of Terah, your father. Now you are Abram of God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. 
bam, you have a new identity. You've got a new family relationship now. I know you've walked away from Terah and Haran, but you've walked straight into the family of Almighty God. You've walked into Abram of God and no longer is just God most high. He's now God of Abram. See, God was looking for a man and he found him in Abram where he could say, let's partner up. Let's partner up. If I'm going to do anything in the world, I want you to be part of it, Abram. Because it's no longer independent God, it's God of Abram. It's no longer independent Abram of Terah, it's now Abram of God. And God is the possessor of heaven and earth. Abram, that means now it all belongs to you as well. I mean, I could turn to Romans 4 that says the promise to Abram is that he would own all things, inherit the world. This was an incredible blessing. You are connected now, Abram, to the owner of everything. El Elyon, the Lord Most High. Nothing is impossible with that God. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's the healer. He's the provider. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. You are now Abram of God and God is now God of Abram. Do you realize, Abram, the relationship you have? You are now blessed and highly favored. Everywhere you walk, God walks with you. Everything you say in line with God's word, God is going to back up and endorse. If you need a breakthrough, God is there as your breakthrough. If you need a miracle, God is there as your breakthrough to bring the miracle. If you need to to be victorious, God is going to break through against your enemies. Whoever it is, whatever it is, if God before you, no one can be against you. God of Abram, Abram of God. The most powerful thing. And Abram went, wow. He knew what happened and we can see that from what goes on in the next chapter which we won't get into. But he was like, his head was spinning. His head was spinning. Wow, I just thought I was a pilgrim. That I was just being obedient and God said he'd bless me. Now I find out he's treating me as a son, as an heir. What have I done to deserve this? Uh, Nothing. Just the will and the plan of God. He chose you, but make sure you walk in it. So he stepped out and he walked in it, and he walked right into the declaration of the most powerful blessing that anybody could ever declare over anybody. You're now a son of God. Righteousness. Righteousness is not holiness. It produces holiness. Righteousness is who I am in God and who he is in me. See, an unrighteous prayer is, oh God, if it be thy will, please go and do something. There's no relationship in that. You know what a righteous prayer says? Father, you said, you promised You declared, you told me, you said, it is written. May not look like it, but I'm going to believe what you said over what the world says. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, because our righteousness is his righteousness. 
The righteous one goes and stands at the tomb. He weeps. He's not upset then. He's stirring himself. The Bible says he stirred himself in his bowels. He groaned in the spirit and said. He stirred and said. He groaned and said. He was interceding and said, where have you laid him? Roll away the stone. The stone. And then he says this, Father, this is a righteous prayer. You want to hear a righteous prayer? This is one of the greatest examples in the whole Bible. Father, I know that you've heard me. I know you always hear me. I could, I could enlarge on that because I'm your child. I'm your son. You're my father. I've been led by the Spirit. I've done what you've said. You've promised. So now I know. I know that I know that I know. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. We know when we pray that he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions we ask. Oh, Father, that gives me so many questions. Fine, let it give you questions. But don't depart from the truth of righteousness. He said, oh, I know that you hear me. And now I'm only saying this out loud so everybody else can believe. Lazarus, come forth. What an incredible display of righteousness. See, it is the most powerful thing to be right with God. What is Abram blessed with? Well, his name changes. We know later on it becomes Abraham, and I won't, won't get into that, but um, he's given a new title as well. And that title is this Friend of God. And whenever anybody needed a a breakthrough in the Old Testament. Isaiah and, and Jehoshaphat and various other people. And then you find it in the New Testament. You find, we need a breakthrough, Father. You know, Jehoshaphat, great prayer. Armies coming against him. He declared a fast. Didn't know what to do. He, you know, he started to say, God, you're God most high. And you can hear he's sort of coming into the place of faith. You're almighty God. And you've said, and now you've said to me. And you've said, now remember Abraham your friend. And the moment he prayed that, all heaven moved. Why? Because God works in this world through his friend Abram. Because there's a covenant partnership there. There's a covenant relationship. you getting anything out of this this morning? Is this all right? It's a bit deep for a Sunday morning. Okay. Right standing with God when God was going to go and wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. He first comes to Abram and says, I'm not going to do it unless I first talk to my partner. My business partner. My friend, Abram. So he says, Abram, I want to do this. And Abram says, oh, there's humility there, but there's righteousness there. Oh, Father, you know, far bit from you to do the wrong thing. And da, 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 da. If it be that there's 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. God says, yeah, fine, we're in this together. Whatever you want. That's what I'll do. Working with Abram. Righteousness. Right relationship. Now that produces, it's a farce if it doesn't produce a holy lifestyle and a generous lifestyle and a praying lifestyle. It's got to produce something. But you know what? When you know you're righteous, the engine gets going. Wow, I can talk to God. I can lay hands on the sick and they recover because that's what righteous people do. I can speak to mountains and they move because that's what righteous people do. So the first thing he blessed him with as the king of righteousness 
is he declared right relationship over Abram with God. But he was also called the king of Salem. Salem is from the word shalom. And come on, guys, we all know what shalom is all about. Abram is blessed with wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Peace with God and peace from God. Not peace and quiet, peace, wholeness. Shalom in the Old Testament is translated prosperity. That is what it is translated through the whole Old Testament. Only a handful of times is it translated anything else. But we know it's not just prosperity in the, in the money sense of the word. It's spiritual prosperity, right relationship with God. It's mental prosperity. We're thinking the thoughts of God and our mind is the mind of Christ. It's, it's, it's prosperity in our body where we're strong and healthy. We need to eat the right stuff and exercise but thank God we got a covenant of abundance and we got a covenant of healing in our physical body. Can I hear an amen this morning? It's prosperity. It's the, it's the shalom, the wholeness of God in each and every area of our lives. He's the God of shalom. The Bible says in the New Testament, the God of shalom will soon crush Satan under your feet shortly. Hallelujah. Shalom is victory. It's the wholeness of God. So Abram was blessed with righteousness. He was blessed with wholeness from stress to soundness of mind, from sickness to health in your body, from a brokenness to a wholeness in your relationships, from lack and insufficiency to abundance in your finances, from struggling in life to favour with God and man. I thought you'd be getting more excited about it than this. The shalom of God. Now all this was done with words. He blessed him. We'll see the response of Abram next week. But he blessed him with words. But it was all in the context of the bread and wine. That's not an incidental that is a, a central aspect to this. In the old, you know, before the Old Testament, before the Old Covenant, and in all sorts of cultures, uh, you eat, you have a business lunch. Ever had a business lunch? Some of you say it's a business lunch and you just talk about the weather, but a pro you know, business lunch, come on, let's eat together. So many cultures have a culture, let's eat together. When God brought out the bread and wine, when Melchizedek brought out the bread and wine, it was what they did. It was not something new. Abram knew exactly what was going on here. It spoke of life. It spoke of commitment. Yes, it's picked up in Genesis 14. Of course, it's in the old law. And there's the Passover and the unleavened bread and everything else that goes on. And the lamb and the blood and whatever else. And there's the, the bread and the wine there. And then we find it in the New Testament as well. Jesus Christ on that, on that last supper was vitally important to what was happening. It wasn't just a goodbye dinner. It was something that had to happen. And of all the things that God could say, you got to do this. There's lifestyle things. There's prayer and there's, and there's worship and there's fasting and there's all of that. He says... Don't forget to take the bread and the wine. Don't forget it. Don't let it become 
just a religious tradition. Don't let it become just something we do on the first Sunday of every month. This thing's life-changing. For, for Abram, life-changing. Melchizedek brought out the bread and the wine, and I know ours looks, you know... It's the, it's the sign. It's what it means. We know I'm not getting into it today. Obviously, this is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Represents that. We don't believe in transubstantiation, that the, the, you know, the actual bread turns into flesh and the, and the juice turns into blood. We don't believe that, but it's a, it's a sign. You do it in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross. But can I say it goes way back from there. If we do it in remembrance as well of what God did with Abram. This is an incredibly powerful thing. And today, as we have the bread and the wine, it's not Melchizedek coming and serving us today. It's Jesus Christ. He's here by his spirit. He's declaring two things over your life today. That we are blessed from the mouth of Jesus Christ. And it's no longer... I who live, but it's Christ. We sang it earlier. This was not planned. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. That happens when you give your life to Jesus. Um, to me, October the 8th, 1984. Up until then, it was I who lived. And the life I lived was a dead life. But Jesus came and brings life. He gives life. He takes out that old hard, dead heart and he puts in a brand new spirit on the inside of us. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord. But what Jesus is saying to us today. I've got so many notes left. <coughs> Terrible, isn't it? Do you know what he's saying to you today? This is Jesus Christ. The high priest, the apostle and high priest of our confession and who we are. He's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. It's a bit deep and a bit teachy for a Sunday. But Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the high priest of, of God. As though it was Melchizedek and Abram. You know what he's saying? You are blessed, Julian, of God possessor of heaven and earth blessed is Gary of God son of God the possessor of heaven and earth blessed is Feluke of God most high possessor of heaven and earth blessed is Tom of God Tom of God possessor of heaven and earth been declared by Jesus Christ right now blessed be Leonard of God that's your name I don't know what your dad's name is and I'm not and I'm not splitting families here but you're now Leonard of God son of God just like Jesus is son of God he's the firstborn of many brothers you're one of the brothers he's God you're not God just thought I'd throw that one in there 
don't, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, brother. But you're a Leonard of God, Jessica of God, Carol of God. Of God. Do you know who you are? Oh God, I'm just trudging through the heat and the cold. One day it'll be worth it all. That's not how sons of God talk. Oh but God, you don't know what the devil's doing. Well, I thought he was under your feet. I thought he was under your feet. That's he, he's under the feet of righteous people. It's where he is. You're blessed. What are you blessed with? Righteousness. For God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's no longer I who live. As he is, so are we in this world. We can pray in the name of Jesus. Never go to God on your own merit. On your own merit. I'm praying in the name of Julian. No, please don't do that. <laughs> or your own name. Pray in the name of Jesus and all heaven goes, wow, that's the Son of God. And when you pray in the name, it's as though he's praying. Said this last week, the Word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the Word of God in God's mouth. <laughs> God has given us all things for life and godliness. World overcomers, more than conquerors, heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus. In Him we've inherited all things. Those who have received the abundance of righteousness and the gift, so the, the, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life more than death reigned in the earth. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Whatever we put our hand to prospers. We have the mind of Christ. The meek shall inherit the earth. We have. We have what is a meek person. Father, I receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Come into my life. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you my friends. That was life-changing for Abram. Anybody who wanted to do anything said, God, Abram, your friend. Well, you know what? That same Jehoshaphat could now say this. Remember Alan, your friend? And get a victory on the back of it. You know, we sing sometimes, I am a friend of God. I'm a covenant partner with Almighty God. Whatever you pray, Jesus said, the Father will do it. When you lay hands on people, I'll heal them. When you speak to mountains, I'll move them. We're blessed with wholeness. We're blessed with wholeness. A covenant of wholeness by His stripes. No more curse of the law, just the blessing of Abram. How does it happen? As we eat the bread and the wine. I know we don't do this very often, it's normally once a month, but today it's really important. I really believe God wants us to hear his voice. So you're my child. Not from a place of, oh, they're there. 
but you're a world overcomer. You can do anything. Nothing's impossible to he who believes. You're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You walk in blessed and you walk out blessed. You're blessed in your job, blessed in your city. Whatever enemy comes against you, they're going to flee seven ways. Why? Because you're, you're hooked up with the possessor of heaven and earth. You're blessed with wholeness. Perhaps this is something that you need. We're all going to write as we leave today. We're going to grab the pens. We're going to write onto it. Please don't write an essay. We're not reading it. It might just be in a financial breakthrough. It could be spouse salvation. Just write, you know, it doesn't need to be, and I'm believing God for this house and in this place and da 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 No, it's just, come on, new house. God knows before you've even written it what you're talking about. So we're going to believe God today. And we're going to do it over the bread and the wine. As I close. John 13, I'm going to read a number of verses through it. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Listen to that. Listen to what, some points I just want to make here. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in his spirit. I know I've jumped through the passage, but just bear with me. He was, he was stirred and he was really troubled in spirit. He testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. Then the disciples looked at each other, perplexed about who he had spoken. And Jesus answered John, private conversation, It is he whom I shall give the bread when I've dipped it in the wine. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas son of Simon now after the dipped piece of bread Satan entered Judas see Satan had already put it in Judas heart he had already spoken to him but there is something so powerful about the bread and the wine that when he took the bread there was an encounter can I put it like that now I really thought do I do I sort of nearly close with this because it's like it's a bit, whoa. I don't know if I want to have it now. It's <laughs> an egg. Unrighteous Judas took the bread and was filled with Satan. Righteous friends take the bread and are filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> there is something so powerful about this no matter who you are you don't stay the same as we take this healing can break out today seriously now as we receive this today devils back off darkness flees <laughs> heaviness and oppression have got to go they've got to you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of joy, and some of this stuff stay around. Hurts and wounds can be healed. Abundance can be released more than enough. There's still honor in this. God is still God. But as we take the bread and the wine today, you know what God is saying? What can I do for you? Come on, let's receive this today. Do you get anything out of that today?
Let's open it and just before we take it, some of you may have already so hungry you've already taken it. Well, the Bible says, don't eat it because you're hungry. Wait a minute. Let's all hold the bread, shall we? Sharon's already munching. No, she's not. There we go. <laughs> Come on. Jesus, we thank you. This represents your body. Your incredible sacrifice on the cross. But right now, we declare that we're blessed. Because you're blessing us right now. And we declare that is life-changing over our lives. Devils, back off. Sickness, leave. Oppression, go. Family, break up. Be restored. Kids, come back. Job, prosper. We thank you today. You're declaring your incredible power of righteousness in our lives. And the wonderful shalom of God. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the bread, shall we, right now? You can open up the wine. This represents the blood of Jesus, but come on today. This is the blood covenant we have. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Let's drink the wine together, shall we? been quite a strong sort of teach this morning but on the back of it it's, it's always important to do something with the word and what we're going to do with the word is we're going to write our dream on the card what is it that when God has just said to us what can I do for you what's your answer what is it what is it one word a couple of words what is it? It's got to be something that is really quantified, not just, oh Lord, the salvation of the world. No, come on, let's, I don't want to get all businessy, smart goals. Something that you say, I can measure that. I know when God's done that. It's broken through, it's happened. The stronghold's broken. I get out of debt, the credit cards are paid off. My husband, my wife, my spouse, my partner comes to Christ. Whatever it is. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Can we give God some praise right now? Is that all right? Thank you, Lord.